You're listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible as Literature. Hi, this is Father Mark Bulos, and you are listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible as Literature podcast. In today's program, Father Paul explains the organic and not emotionally poetic oneness of the heavens and the earth, noting that the second creation narrative begins again with the mention of the waters. I am happy to introduce Father Paul on the Bible as Literature podcast, Tarazi Tuesdays. In the Syro-Arabian wilderness, the scriptural world, so to speak, that is the world in which the concocted scriptural story evolves, develops, progresses, and even ends as per Ezekiel 48 and Daniel chapters 11 and 12, is a geographical setting where the reality, heavens and earth, is a total oneness in that the heavens are an integral part of the earth's and its denizens' daily life, were it not for anything else than they are the source of the rain showers that secure the filling of the oases with life-giving water as well as the underground waters and the rivers. In other words, functionally, it is what we hear in chapter 2 and not know everything. Okay? The everything is used, as we shall see, in conjunction with the heavens and the earth and their hosts. Very interesting. Their armies, the denizens and so on. Okay? These are the generations of the heavens and the importance of the where you have the oneness between heaven and earth, you have it reflected in this funny straddle verses between the first narrative creation and the second, which is chapter 2, verses 4 to 6. These are the generations of the heavens, the Toledot of the heavens and the earth, when they were created. In the day that the Lord made the earth and the heavens, when no plant of the field was yet in the earth, and no herb of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was no man to till the ground, but a mist went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. The text itself is mentioning this. You don't hear the word heavens. That's another thing when I say you have to locate when a term is used or not. But it doesn't mean that functionally it cannot be there. Because functionally you hear, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth. It's the hefeil of matar, himtir, to make something come down as a rain. We have it in Arabic, amtara. This organic and not emotionally poetic oneness of the heavens and the earth 
in the author's purview can be literally felt or rather heard in the literary structure of the introduction to the entire scripture. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the face of the waters. Double strike, waters, waters, that you hear again at the beginning of the second creation narrative. That again indirectly shows me that it is as though the second narrative creation begins again with the waters that are mentioned directly and indirectly as the deep in verse 2. Okay. Now, retrospectively, my hearers, and especially my former students, would be, I can imagine them nodding their head and saying, now we understand why Father Paul was so excited in our classroom when we couldn't fathom why he was excited. He started his lecture on Monday at 9 a.m., already excited. Okay, brothers and sisters, sisters and brothers, children and grandparents, now you know why. There is a text that we have to submit to. So this passage is a subtle literary inclusio. Remember, inclusio is A, B, B prime, A prime. Okay, you have it in verse 1 and 2, 4, 5, 6, and then even in the heavens and the earth, and remember in verse 4 of chapter 2, you have earth and heavens. It is phenomenal. So it's an inclusio that already opens the second narrative because heavens is the last word of the first narrative, and then you have mention of the rain and the water in the next one. An outright inclusio would have been heavens, earth, earth, heavens. Here we hear heavens, earth, earth, darkness, and waters. A knowledgeable person would have immediately detected that the couple darkness and waters is linked to heavens. See what I mean? It's not just words. It's functionality. Okay. So, verses 1 and 2 is also an inclusio. Heavens, earth, earth, darkness slash waters. And then slowly on, you have the dealing with the heavens as a firmament dividing between the waters. People forget about that. Oh, heaven, heaven. No. The first function of heaven, and you know it, but we shall go, come back to it, is to divide between the waters. Only later, okay, let me make an aside. You have darkness mentioned before, and then water. And then you have a dealing with the light, as though you handled the darkness. 
and then the waters with the heavens. But suddenly, a few verses later, that the light comes from the luminaries that are in the heavens. You see the encompassing function of these heavens as an integral part of your world. And uh, technically, it's not real the way it is real in scripture, except for a Bedouin in the Syro-Arabian desert. Later I shall mention why the moon is more important. So, when you want to find a hallmark card and send it to me that speak about sunshine, the late Bishop Atun, who was raised in the Middle East, but he was taken by America because he was a bishop here. His major song, he loved the children, he sing with them, you are my sunshine, and so everybody, they sing it with him. But he's my senior, I wouldn't even whisper in his ear. I said, Sayyidna, Sayyidna, in the Middle East, sunshine is uh, a bad deal, it's scorching heat, and then you get cancer. The real unwritten Hallmark card in the East is my moonlight. If this is not a TKO, what is a TKO? But tell an American you're my moonlight, the girl will dump you. <laughs> hey, friends, functionality. We were dealing with the realities. The light of the moon actually is more impressive than the light of the sun. You hide from the light of the sun if it is too much. The light of the moon is real light because it illumines darkness. The light of the sun does not illumine darkness. <laughs> it gives more light to the light. I mean, friends, friends. Give me your soul. I was touched by an email with a former student with whom I had not spoken for almost 10 years. And he thanked me, and in his email, he stirred my heart when he said at the end, you stir my soul, Father Paul. To help him out, I perceived the word soul as being heart. Come on, friends, let's be serious. The light of the sun is functional only for the vegetation, not so much for you. But we'll come back to that. Which is, I like to go a little bit on asides to just stir the curiosity of the hearers and have them not open their mind. I don't want their mind because their mind is already infested. I want their ears. Indeed, darkness and waters in verse 2 of chapter 1 clearly look ahead to their immediately following instances in the description of God's first actions or activities. And God said that there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and there was evening, and there was morning one day. And God said, let there be a firmament, raqia, that's the first word, 
because he's going to name this Rakia Shamaim. And the naming is very important. The naming is making something functional. So at the beginning, the Shamaim is not yet functional. And the earth is not yet functional. It's Tohu and Bohu. Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters. Let's go back. Verse 2. You have darkness and waters. He dealt with the darkness. Then he deals with the waters. And let it separate the waters from the waters. Notice. Separate the light from the darkness. Separate the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament. Raqia. And separated the waters which were under the Raqia from the waters which were above the Raqia. It was so. Notice, firmament, firmament, firmament. You don't hear heavens. And God called the firmament heaven in RSV, which is heavens. Same word in Hebrew. And there was evening and there was morning, a second day. It's phenomenal that his first action took place on the second day because there is no first day in scripture as I keep telling you because he made the day be a day. That's why in the Hebrew and in all the translations you have one day. It is as though he's defining what day is because it's silly. Until now we do it. A day and a night equal what? One day. <laughs> That's how we speak. But the real action, as first action, if you like, is that within that realm, he began with the Raqia, which he named heavens, and count the verses six, seven, eight. And we're not going to hear about the function of the luminaries in the heavens dealing with light where you have the combination of both until day four. So all these things are important and I'm asking my hearers to put up with me and follow the words uh, one by one. But you know, to make it simpler on your ears, my hearers, I make asides a little bit encompassing so that mentally you would look forward to these things and make the effort to understand that I'm not jumping the gun. The Bible as Literature is a production of the Ephesus School Network.